Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air, online. Same thing, basically, and uh, it's the same thing because you get on air or online with us by hitting the same link, that link uh, being located uh, at our website homepage, www dot centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. When you get there, you have a choice. Uh, the first two things that you see on the page, besides this great graphic of a, of a close-up microphone, nothing, nothing brilliant artistically, but it certainly lets you know where you are. And it happens to be the microphone that I'm speaking into right now. But uh, the, the first thing below that uh, is a pair of links. And the first of those links is a connection to our podcast feed. Now, you may be listening to this show uh, on that podcast feed, or you may have come in through the second link, which is what we call our radio loop. And that is precisely uh, as the name would suggest. The show is running on a separate computer here in the studio uh, as a loop. It runs and runs and runs 24-7. And at whatever point it happens to be when you hit that link, that's what you'll hear. Well, probably with about a I guess an eight or a nine second delay uh, between what's coming out of the computer and the time that it actually comes through your, uh, your source, your, your internet connected source. Don't ask me why that is. It's certainly not a conscious thing on our part to create a delay and it certainly serves no um, uh, protective or legal, legally buffering a kind of purpose as the delays on live broadcast uh, have in America and have had for years. Uh, the delayed tapes that you have often run across with the talk shows, that sort of thing. That is in us. We we are simply uh, the subject to the laws of science and physics and whatever creates an eight-second delay between my machine over here playing something and you hearing it on the other end. I assure you, because we have another machine monitoring uh, the show uh, on both ends, it's about eight seconds between what the machine puts out over here, what the, what the computer puts out on this end, and what you hear on the other which really serves no purpose, you knowing that whatsoever, except it might be something you'd like to learn, and everybody is in a constant learning uh, mode, I would hope, and maybe that fulfilled some need for you this morning, or whenever you're listening to us. Uh, but that's simply all it comes down to. Either way, welcome, and I'm so glad you're here with us on Center Left Radio. Uh, it's still... It's still a war. It's still uh, Russia uh, going in and just getting uglier and meaner and just hurling in all sorts of uh, guided missiles, uh, uh, be they crews or whatever the equivalent is, uh, simply uh, leaving its fighting forces on the outskirts. If you can believe what's, what you hear through most of the media, and I imagine, the, again, the fog of war is always a part of this, there's a certain amount of nightly news coverage there's a certain amount of physical coverage of this war, but and, and that invariably is showing you things that are happening away from whatever the front is, the front being wherever the largest accumulation of Russian troops are, and where presumably they are coming into conflict with Ukrainian troops. And if, again, the stories are true, there are several thousand, I don't know exactly how many, but maybe below 10,000, somewhere above 3,000, if you, again, hard, hard to verify these numbers. But there's a hell of a lot of young Russian kids in uniform who have died in this war already. Russia has not done well militarily, certainly from a boots-on-the-ground perspective. And, and what we hear about mostly, 
uh, here in America. Uh, those stations that are not trying to underplay the entire thing or or that still feel obligated to keep explaining that that uh, Ukraine's Ukrainians were actually a lot of Nazis back 80 years ago and and what, what whatever deflective mechanism is necessary in order to take a little bit of the pressure off Russia or I'm not sure what the reasoning is where you're hearing basically something like like reporting, and that reporting is is happening on a on a fairly uh, consistent basis across different media. Uh, you are getting the notion that the Russians are trying to soften up civilian populations as rapidly as possible, with the understanding that if we really make this terrible and horrible for civilians. Uh, it'll cause uh, the Ukrainian authorities to back down and we'll get what we wanted. Now, clearly what Putin wanted initially was to come in to have everybody welcome him as a conquering hero, to ignore whatever good advice he might have gotten from his generals, that this was not the way things were going to go, and certainly that he wasn't prepared to do what he thought he was going to uh, do or to accomplish. Uh, and, 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 and obviously no one welcomed him as a conquering hero. And instead, what we found out is that his army, his, his, his ground forces, representing a substantial percentage of all Russian ground forces, so we've been uh, made to understand over time, was woefully ill-prepared, uh, woefully ill-equipped to handle the job of simply toppling uh, Zelensky's government and replacing it with a Russian puppet, which would have solved everything. And so what we're hearing now, these so-called peace conferences, are variations on uh, Putin demanding that there be a guarantee that that Ukraine will never enter uh, NATO, that the two uh, breakaway make-believe republics that he supposedly created and recognized will have Russian language rights, all kinds of crap like this. Uh, it's it's it's. Russia protection stuff, and it's basically no longer Russia having to be there for all eternity and claiming the Ukrainians as our Russian brothers who want to be reunited with us because A, they're not, B, they're not going to be. See, Mr. Putin recognizes that if he attempts to still uh, operate uh, with the notion that he's going to wear them down and eventually take over and eventually assert or, or insert a puppet government, uh, this will be met with a perpetual insurgency. And that insurgency is just going to kill a lot more uh, young Russian soldiers and a lot more people generally. And in the end, he'll never have Ukraine. And if anything, Ukraine will become a bigger and bigger thorn in his uh, left side, as it were. And NATO would be drawn closer and closer uh, into a conflict if it continues and civilian casualties and the rate of atrocities becomes worse. You, 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 you know where that's going. He knows where that's going. So the, the sense I'm getting, at least, is that he's looking for a way to uh, declare victory and go home at this point, more or less. Imagining that all of the damage and all the death and destruction that he's inflicted so far can be justified, at least in the minds of some Russians, as an effort to protect Mother Russia. You see, we now have done it. We've guaranteed that. We've, we've protected our southwestern or whatever it is, western flank, and, uh, and, 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 and never again will the Ukrainian threat 
You, it's hard to imagine. Is it the Ukrainian threat or is it our brothers who wish to join us, depending on the, on the need of the moment and, and, the, and the vagaries of, uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the battle and how badly uh, Mr. Putin is doing? The, the message, once again, is morphing. And it's one of protection from rather than opened-armed affiliation with. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this in sort of a, a glib tone. There's no way to cover up or to imagine that everything Mr. Putin has done and is doing isn't horrible unforgivable, disgusting, uh, inhuman. I mean, it just, you, you've heard all the adjectives. I'm more interested, rather than simply adding to the litany that's already been spoken and, and amplified and being augmented on a momentary uh, basis of the horrors of Putin, and, and, and maybe uh, we, can, we can sort of uh, speculate about whether the world court will ever officially uh, bring an indictment against him and making him more of a pariah than he already is. I, I think the larger question has to be, what happens after all this? There's going to be an after to all this, and, and it's just a question of when, when the after begins. And the, the big question in the after will be what happens to our relationship with Vladimir Putin and Russia, our being the US and a larger perspective, NATO. How do we deal with this guy going forward? I, I think you can imagine, I certainly can, that once the hostilities end, pic, picture all these, picture these images. Picture the images of Russian troops rolling home, and uh, there are uh, stories uh, that are being in the Russian press about we've accomplished our goal, we've basically neutralized Ukraine, they will never again bother us, and of course those will be lies that particular set of lies, there will be, of course, then the on-the-ground reality of furious, vicious, angry, uh, vengeance-fueled Ukrainians wanting to basically have a piece of Putin's hide uh, and not really ever, and, and swearing perpetual, uh, you know, you know uh, uh, vengeance-seeking, and how that will play out. But what will we, the United States and NATO, do with this crazy country? Will we make it business as usual? Will there suddenly be a rediscovery of the gas line going to Germany, and that would then subfeed much of Eastern Europe as well. Will there be a release of sanctions uh, on the ruble? Will there be a reaffiliation of Western companies, uh, and and or a reestablishment of Western companies? In Russia, will, will, will all of the different uh, outlets, stores, the big box stores, uh, the McDonald's, all the others, will they start doing business again? How soon would that happen? Will all of the credit card companies suddenly pop up? Will all of the internet companies suddenly start permitting signals to go in? Will essentially it all go back to a sense of well, you know, this sort of happened, and, and, and uh, it, it was a blip. But, you know, now that you've finished committing horrific atrocities, now that you've gone in and simply killed a bunch of people and gotten the, 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 the consolation prize, the consolation prize being non-commitments to not attack you, uh, just for absolutely no reason. Will you be welcomed back with open arms 
into this expanded notion, if not, if not official membership in, but a, and a, an affiliation with for economic and other purposes with the West after doing this horrible, horrible thing that you've done. What will we demand? What can we demand of Russia when this whole thing ends? How will we go forward into the future? Will we simply forget it happened? I, I would suggest that the future of this, the, the after party, and I, I'm sorry for the, for the black humor, but the after event, the post-war, which can actually, that period could begin any time Mr. Putin decides he wants to declare he's gotten what he's got. Well, you know, th again, that's, that's, more, that's more ugly uh, humor He'll simply, he'll declare whatever he feels he has to declare in order to make his power seem appropriate and, and, and somehow cement it. I've, I've accomplished what I, was, what I set out to do. Don't notice all of those uh, corpses of young guys, young soldiers that are coming across the border. Don't notice the economic sanctions. Don't notice the effect of all that. I've done what I wanted to do, and the West will forget because we have something they want. We're convenient for them. What is is there a both a, a practical and a moral? Is there an economic practical imperative and a moral ethical imperative that will have to kick in on the part of the West and NATO? hopefully still reasonably organized, you know, in a, in a post-Trumpian way that will prevent this sort of thing from happening again. And, and, and is that how, will that prevent this from happening again? Will it be, is, is there a lesson that must be communicated? I, I don't have an answer to all this. Certainly not as we sit here 21 or 22 days into the Russian invasion and it becoming, it being absolutely obvious at this point that, that Russia will never be able to take over, to impose a functional government that could actually govern the nation, the independent nature, uh, nation of Ukraine. It's not going to happen. President Zelensky uh, has just in the past week addressed the legislatures of, of the United States, of uh, I believe he did Germany the other day, he did Canada, he's done the UK, standing ovations all over the place. Uh, he's turned into this, this symbol of, of resistance and rallying, the likes of which I don't think we've seen in, in many decades on this planet the comedian uh, who became a, uh, a national leader and has suddenly risen to a moment of challenge as, as few leaders either have an opportunity to or ever do successfully. What really happens? Who are we? What, what do we learn? Is, is there a variation in our moral structure? Is there something lasting that happens to all of us? Does it affect us on a, on a domestic, local, political way? What are the, what are the aftershocks and the, and the reconstruction com components of a post-Russian invasion? I, I'm not going to get into that. I don't know. It, it, it's obviously we're in the middle of a war. This is not this is not you know the 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 Alta Conference. This is not this is not uh, you know Roosevelt and, and 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 Churchill and Stalin. God help us, sitting there and and discussing dividing up Europe or whatever we're going to do once Germany is fully brought to its knees.
There is no Yalta here. There is only a, a need to really self-reflect, to recognize what has happened to us, how we can be brought together in a moment of crisis. NATO, I'm referring to, NATO and the U.S., to understand that the, the Trumpian notion of throw it all away because I'm not getting my money's worth at this moment is as short-sighted and thoughtless as Donald Trump ever was about everything and anything other than those things that benefit him immediately that Donald basically was nothing more than a guy who tried to basically destroy Zelensky for the sake of getting dirt on Joe Biden and his son, didn't care about Ukraine, just the opposite, was willing to throw Ukraine to the dogs and not give them the money that Congress had already appropriated and has spent most of his time buddying up with Putin, his best buddy in the whole world, th throwing out Ru American reporters to have a private conference with, with Lavrov's, you know, with, with, with the foreign minister Lavrov and Putin and all of these guys in lieu of talking even to his own people. The, you know, Trump is on so far the wrong side of all this. It, it's, it's hard to imagine. If, if, I don't, if we don't start seeing a whole series of ads, political ads being produced by Democrats going into the 2022 midterm that basically say in so many words, you vote for Republicans, this is what you're asking for again. And there's some imagery that shows Trump with Putin, Trump attempting to destroy Zelensky and destroy Ukraine. If, if, if that is not a core message, a core national message of the Democratic Party, well, then I will be even more convinced than ever that we just, as Democrats, just do, don't seem to have the gift for effective marketing communications. But it is time. Now is the time to start thinking about this post-invasion world. What has changed? What will have changed? What must we continue to do rather than just snap back, as it were, to the ugliness, getting right back to the stupid American politics, to the, the banality and, 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 and the triteness of the, of the culture war crap that we've been in. Can, can, can you just see that right now? Can imagine that it just, that Ukraine and Russia goes away and we're right back to the stupidity that we were in prior to this, that, that suddenly there is all of, we, we'll go back to arguing about masks and maybe truckers will, will have another protest at the Canadian border or maybe around Washington, D.C. I mean, does that have, does that even make sense at this point? My, my instantaneous reaction is, of course not. And if we do it, if we allow ourselves to become this banal and, and, this, and this dumb and, 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 and to balderize and, and, to, and to basically minimize the reality and the horror of what we have just witnessed so that we can go back to being little kids, little schoolyard middle schoolers and, and, and playing these stupid games thinking somehow that this is the road, that power and stupidity, power and childishness are perfectly weddable things. That, that living and acting like children and then deriving power from that is somehow an acceptable way to function after we've watched Russia do what it's done to Ukraine. If we actually allow ourselves to go back into that mindset, what the, what the hell are we? It just, as I, as, I, as I say these words to you, I just can't, in my guts, I can't, I can't allow it. I can't imagine that we can just go back to being that dumb, that, that dumbed down about what is important and what our politics should be. Can I guarantee we won't? Of course not. 
we'll do whatever we wind up doing. But we have to do it with some comprehension of what we've just witnessed. We, we have to recognize where we've been, how rapidly we were able to affiliate with our member, our, our fellow humans of, of like moral and ethical mindset in the face of real evil and danger. We have to understand the consequences of attempting to going back to business as usual with a country like Russia under the control of Putin. And even if it's not Putin, a country like Russia that has in all likelihood, by all analyses, been reformulated in Putin's image as we speak, so that even without him, just like without Trump, there's still Trumpism, well, without Putin, there'll be Putinism. How do we deal with this? And this is going to be uncomfortable. It's easy to deal with what's going on right now from an American perspective. Yeah, prices at the pump are a few bucks, you know, a buck higher. That's not easy. But we're not being bombed. We're not having children killed in daycare centers because somebody has sent a cruise missile in because they couldn't get their troops on the ground, because they couldn't accomplish their first purpose of overthrowing the American government. These are all real concepts, but the, again, we're talking about the current reality, not, geez, they were, they were, they were Nazis 80 years ago. One of Putin's demands is denazification of Ukraine. I, I guess that somehow must sell well to somebody, you know, some people in the, in the Russian establishment somewhere. Who are we? How do we, do we change, do we evolve? We talk constantly on center-left radio about the need to change the evolution, the suppression of our fears, the elevation of love, allowing change to happen. And it's only when we let love and hope elevate, when we, suppress, when we face, identify, and suppress our fears, elevate love and hope, then positive change will happen. We've had a pretty good run of that. We've had our ups and downs in the last 250 years. God knows, but by and large, we've progressed. We've been progressive in the way we've evolved. This is about, we're about to face a moment, I feel, where we must decide how we are to evolve, where the need to evolve and to change is going to be thrust and is being thrust on us. Will we go back to the same infantile business as usual that we've allowed ourselves to wallow in for the last 20 years plus now? Or will we recognize what we can and should be, what we were meant to be? Will we once again rise at least to the, to the, to the magnificence of our concepts about ourselves, the words that we use to begin ourselves. Will we once become, once again become at least moderately idealistic about ourselves and put it into some kind of practical uh, operational framework? Will we act like damned adults? Or will we once again allow ourselves to simply regress into the childhood, the Trumpian childhood that we fell into simply because we could, because we hadn't been challenged in any real way. Can we ignore our response to a real-world challenge and jettison it all it's just so that we can turn into infantile boobs fighting one another over manufactured cultural differences and finding ways to tribalize just so that we can hold up this image of a failed person 
who basically lets about a third of us feel really good about, well, not really good, but to be able to tolerate the otherwise ugliness that we feel in our lives. That's really what it comes down to. I don't know. I've got no answers. I know we're going to have to start thinking about this damned soon because it's coming. It's on us <laughs> with an election cycle that really, really has been overshadowed by, by Mr. Putin. And suddenly, with the, with the veil of Russia and Ukraine pulled away from at least the day-to-day -day complete coverage, wall-to-wall -wall coverage of what's been going on there, suddenly this midterm election cycle will become front and center. What will it be? What will it be about? What will we be telling ourselves we are by how we perform, how we, how we once again demonstrate to ourselves and the world what it means to be able to function in a functional two-party system? Will we, will we sink back into the childhood we've been living in? This, this fantasy of ugliness and anger? Or will we grow the hell up? I don't know. But we will find out. I can, I can tell you also that it's Friday. It is Friday, the, uh, the 18th of March. Yesterday was a, here at least in New York, a rainy St. Patrick's Day. It wasn't uh, yes, it rained on the parade. I'm sure many revelers and paraders uh, had a great time of it just the same. Um, but it's the 18th today. And the Ides are uh, three days behind us. Julius Caesar wasn't particularly uh, fortunate on that day, March 15th, 44 BC. How well will we do? in the days and weeks that follow. I, I, I have a sense that uh, my Friday co-host, David Bach, will have some thoughts on that subject. And he will be with us very shortly. Uh, so please stick around and join me in doing what we always do at this point in our show. Kind of consider what we've been talking about but in a more relaxed, layback, thoughtful way, with the benefit of a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com, either our radio loop or our podcast feed. One way or the other, what you're listening to right now is the second half of our Friday show. And with, with great predictability, not perfect predictability, but with reasonably high probability, uh, I will wind up saying every Friday what I'm about to say right now, and gratefully so. David, what's on your mind? Uh, look, there's there's not like a huge amount. It's mostly Ukraine stuff. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean that like the Biden administration isn't being couldn't be more effective on things. It doesn't mean that like we don't have problems that are just obvious that we can we can fix. Like for example, gas prices. The 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 cost of oil has dropped to about essentially where it was at the start of the war. Yeah. Gas prices are like two dollars higher when they've been where they've been normally. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, there's no reason that we aren't looking at a windfall tax like right now. Well, well, the Biden administration did say something. They released a piece of information yesterday. And I don't know if this was just for PR purposes or and basically to make people feel good. We want to have hearings on gas price gouging and they want to bring in oil executives. And obviously we're all being gouged. We know this game. We've, we've seen it too many times. What can Biden do or will Biden do anything more than any other president in the last 30, 40 years has done when this sort of thing happens? Because we're being gouged. We know it. No, like, I I don't think so, because, well, two things. One, we just we don't really hold corporations accountable in America. No, no, we don't. Good point. um, And two, it's. It's becoming increasingly clear that Joe Manchin is like never going to do anything about the this stuff. So I imagine you'd have to require him. And the Republicans can't like if they if they stepped up to help, then it would prove that they're like then then it would kill their talking points. Because they can have a talking point either way. Like for example, they're saying Biden is um not doing enough on Ukraine and and then criticizing him for what he's doing. Like yeah. they they had the meeting with Zelensky, and then like eight of them voted against the eight. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's. But but in the end, how that will ultimately play out with the voters? Well, 
you know, it's it's funny. You began by saying a moment ago that there's not a lot to say because Ukraine has covered the whole thing up largely from a at least from the volume of information that's going out there in the media. Uh, and, and, and even even what's actually happening on a purely American political level. And I, and I made the same point earlier, saying that eventually this is going to change, that we are going to get back to what? The question is what? Are we going to snap back to the same childish bullshit that we've been going through for the last 20 plus years right now? Or will the experience of what we've done, people being pulled together, will it have any appreciable difference on how we function uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a allegedly functional democracy going forward, or will just the, the normal idiocy that comes with a election cycle force us back, not even just to normal political parameters of behavior, but back to the idiocy and maybe worse of where we were before with the whole Trumpian element tossed in for good measure. I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. Well, I think we're going to go back to the idiocy. Yeah, yeah. I think less of a <laughs> less of an issue with um, Trump because he is. It does seem like he is losing uh, power in control of these people, yeah. which is great. But it doesn't mean that like the ideas that he preached are Trump. Done. Trumpism mean, is still there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if you had basically like. Josh Hawley spouting Trump, Trump talking points. He would be way more dangerous than Trump is because he's smarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, there's that. Like, it's not, it's not like we're still going to deal with the same nonsense. It's going to be, it's just going to be dumber and more out in the open. Um, yeah. We just have the objectively cruel uh, anti LGBTQ stuff, whether they're going after trans kids or they're going after, um, uh, gay kids, we have just these horrible abortion bans, which we still don't, there's no left-wing equivalent to any type of response to that, which is really cool. I like that. Yeah. That yeah. we haven't uh, passed a single one of these laws. We have a um, we we have whatever's going down in, in, in uh, all these schools where they're banning books and stuff. Like yeah. Tate Reed, who is the governor of Iowa, Ohio. I I don't remember at the time I said he was like, like a week ago was like, yeah, there's no CRT, and then they passed an anti-CRT bill. But the <laughs> thing with these bills, as always, is there's no CRT in them because it's not what they're pretending it is. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like these things are gone. Um, you have Josh Hawley the other day coming out and saying that uh, Kentucky Jackson Brown is in favor of uh, of uh, pedophilia because of some of her rulings uh, like it's not like they're they're going to be dumber and more violent and people are still going to vote for them because they're the the alternative is isn't great like they're not doing enough to make a good enough alternative you have to do something to point out the fact that the other side is in in insane you have to like do stuff they, so like they, they in other words they let me let me just let me just make sure i understand that point exactly because that's a very important point Doing more to make it obvious. Well, just saying the other side is bad ain't enough. It never is. You have to make what you have a a pal not only palatable but a preferable, a desirable alternative. And the Democrats have been basically whipping up a suck stew when it comes up to doing that effectively. And I and I and I am in a perpetual state of frustration trying to understand why, with so much to work with, we're just not doing this. I, I, I throw out one thought to you. I'm just curious about this. Can't I, I suggested in the earlier segment that it would be insane not to have the following message, let's say as a national message for the DNC. Some statement to the effect that Everybody, if you are voting for a Republican, what you're voting is to bring us one step closer. And then there's an image of Trump screwing Zelensky for the sake of getting dirt on Biden and his kid. And then showing Trump uh, shaking hands and being palsy-walsy with Vladimir Putin. If we can't somehow 
play that message effectively and, 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 and put against that the unification that Biden has, has, has been able to create with NATO, what it has accomplished, hopefully by then, it's Russia still claiming they won, but back behind their borders, essentially. Why, why can't, A, is that an effective message? Is that one that you believe the Democrats can and perhaps will put out there? No, I think the more effective message is the one where you just play the words of the Republicans, where they've said just crazy shit, crazy shit about like not helping people. We have, uh, we have a uh, just first off, just run a, a list of them saying that they that American people are lazy. Just just run that. Yeah, that, then, that, that's 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 a constant theme. Yeah, yeah. If we help you, then, we can we own we only have to help you because you're lazy. That's the implication. Yeah. Um. The then just run the the Chuck Grassley tweet from uh, a quote from yesterday where he said that if Republicans are in charge, they will do nothing about lowering the cost of your medicine. The only way it will happen is if Democrats are in charge. Just run that. Run the uh, (laughs) run basically saying that, like, if you want us to be energy independent, vote for a Democrat so that you can have green energy instead of fracking. Or instead of just relying on oil. Um, okay, but, you, but okay, but you're doing though. No, you're, you're, but you're doing. Yeah, you are doing both sides of what is it? Not not just knocking the Republican, but by quoting the Republican, they're knocking themselves. They're putting themselves in a wrong issue. And on top of that, they're suggesting the solution to the problem. If they don't, they may not see it as a problem. But the solution to the problem they're creating is to vote Democratic. Yeah. Um, point out to like there's certain things that they should be able to do. Um, uh, the like when you talk about the voter suppression stuff, stop yeah. saying Jim Eagle and and talking about the uh, uh, the voter ID. Voter ID is the least part of those bills that actually matters. Yeah. Um, if you're going to if you're going to talk about the voter suppression, talk about the fact that like. I think it was something like 25% of all mail-in ballots were were, uh, tossed out in Texas. Talk about, like, the ability for them to alter who is on the election boards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the things that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I, I especially like, though, your, your notion of finding Republican quotes, and there's, there's tons of them out there, that basically say... Without, I don't know, perhaps it wasn't intentional on their part. But if you want to have a solution, you'll have to go with the Democrats because basically we don't want you to have one. And anyone with any brains knows that if you do get a Republican control of Congress, it'll be back to what it was in the, in the, uh, in the Barack Obama days. Mitch McConnell or whomever, or God help us, the, the other Looney Tune over there, uh, McCarthy, basically doing nothing or doing damage. Uh, you know, either blocking or doing damage in some way, shape, or form. And in the end, it all gets vetoed by, uh, gets vetoed by the president. And, and that's the end of it, which is a crazy way to run a country. My, my question earlier was, can we, after coming together uh, with NATO and everything and facing this real-world issue coming from Putin and Russia... What will it feel like to go back to the stu? Won't we even feel more ridiculous and banal and stupid and idiotic? Won't won't that somehow creep up into the consciousness of most Americans that, wait a minute, look where we just were, and now we're back to this bullshit all over again? Do we really want to go there? Or is that asking too much, do you think, of of American voters generally? I, I don't I don't know. As long as you like pointed out, you point out the fact that they they sided with both sides that like it's it's just messaging. They're just bad at messaging and yeah. it's so frustrating yeah. because like it's so easy. They're they're so comically evil, they're so like absurd. And maybe that's like an, an advantage for them because the American people are like, no, come on, nobody's actually doing that. Yeah, 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 this. yeah. You got a good point. That's but a good instead point. we got yeah. like Nancy Pelosi reading Bono reading Bono uh, Holmes and singing Hamilton. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, that's amazing. <laughs> and here's the other thing. Like, the, the people who in the Democratic leadership get promoted is just wild. Like, why is Jamie Harrison in charge of uh, the DCCC? The like, why is he in charge? He lost to Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham spent the last, like, month of his campaign saying, like, the most outrageously, like, racist and insane shit. I've ever heard a, a politician like he was actively saying like if you're a Democrat in South Carolina we're gonna shoot you, <laughs> and and and, and, and uh, Jamie Harrison lost this guy. So the, the DCC DCCC leadership like, he's he he got the DCC leadership as a consolation prize is what you're saying. Yeah, like you know, there's a reason <laughs> you don't turn to the people who are losing when to to try to win, and also like point out that the only semblance of an actual plan that they have, like for any policy point, is the Rick Scott memo. Go on. It's, it's, there's nothing, first off, it's absolutely bonkers because it calls for a massive tax hike on millions of Americans who aren't paying federal taxes because they don't meet the thresholds for it. Right, um, right. It, it's just an insane piece of legislation. And it calls for the, the abolishment of every government program in five years, and then they can each individually get reauthorized. It is like it is the close. It is the only thing because before that they weren't going to run on any policies. Usually, if you're going to ask people to vote for you because of your your ideas, you should actually have some ideas. Yeah, well, no, but crash crash and burn is about is it's do nothing or crash and burn and 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 uh, they're, they're both kind of you know very you know they're they're, they're two they're, they're two poles of the same this sort of uh, nihilistic notion of governance i where that goes well it's but but it's but, but they've been doing this for a hell of a long time david uh, and and it's just sort of baked into how we perceive these people Again, I keep going back to what we've just seen with Ukraine and Russia and all of this, this ugliness and, and watching this moral rising up. Uh, and yes, maybe it was too easy because Russia is so comic book bad and we're being so comic book good, but there's real stuff happening in the real world uh, that's out there as part of all this. And as you, again, I go back to the beginning of this show, you said there's not a lot going on. Why? Because we've been focused on this whole Russia, Russian-Ukrainian situation. What are we missing? What is it that we need to do to try to elevate the political conversation to something like the moral and ethical level we seem to be reaching in dealing with the Russo-Ukrainian situation. How do you, there's got to be some way of, of pulling us, pulling both of those things into the same general sphere of consciousness. We, you don't have to run away from the moral and ethical in order to get to the political. Or are we doomed to this at this point? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Yeah, like, it's it's hard to reach out for both. Because these things, this is a war that's, like, being fought directly before people's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to look away from the, barbar the barbarism and stuff. But, you know, you can do other stuff you can you can the president can still talk about some other things you can talk about policies occasionally um, yeah where he could have aides do it um but it's it's always good to point out what what is happening i'm glad that look it is very hard to deal with the videos and the the speech that Zelensky gave and not want to do it. yeah yeah but like we can't the, the we cannot he has to Biden has to weigh, like, certainly he's he's very been very clear. There's no, not going to be U.S. boots on the ground. Yeah, he has to weigh. Like, it's really easy to say that, like, hey, you know, he should be doing more by like sending uh, planes and stuff. But you have to understand, like, they have to weigh these things versus like the response from it. You say, oh, we can't be dictated by Putin's response. It's like, fuck, yes, we can. The dude's got nukes. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. The you know they they they've done projections. I think the Stanford, uh, some group in Stanford, did a projection on mm -hmm. it, and it's like ninety million people dead. Yeah. Um, if if something kicks off, like it is, 
incredibly bad. Oh, also on a, and another underrated point that isn't getting talked about enough. There's another spike coming because if you're looking at the numbers oh, yeah. in China, yeah. they're really bad. So now seems like a really good time to wind down our COVID preparedness, not to wind down the money. I can't see anything wrong with that in the budget because people are going to complain when you're doing COVID for the, uh, for the election. Those people are dumb. I, the, the COVID is going to be a seasonal thing for Democrats to win elections is one of the dumbest talking points ever. Um, the idea that like, it's, it's so mind boggling because first off, Every chance, every time the deaths, the, the cases and the deaths drip, dip, they throw away all precautions. Just all of them, they just yeet them out the window. Is, the, is that the same mindset in America that makes people go out and buy SUVs as soon as the price of gas goes down? It's like denial that it'll never happen again, even though everything is out there to suggest that it will happen. I, I, I wonder about that sometimes, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, possibly. And I mean, some of it, some of this is like performed. Like when they removed the State of the Union mask, it was kind of performed. Yeah. But like if you actually believed that they were going to use this power perpetually and forever, why did they keep giving it up? Like Trudeau is the perfect example. When they were doing the the Freedom Convoy and he he signed their, their Emergency Powers Act. Yeah. He had that for 15 days and it wasn't overturned by... The, their Congress, Trudeau just said, I'm done with it. Like, I'm, I'm ending it individually. Like, if they were going to use this power indefinitely, they would just keep using the power even when the cases dropped. Like, yeah, it's such a yeah. stupid thing. And also, the other thing is, like, my, my favorite dumb underlying storyline is there is a convoy, a trucker convoy in D.C. Is it there right now still? It is there right now. It's, it's been, been sitting there, there now the for, for how long? It's been sitting around there or whatever. Oh, no, they're driving around occasionally uh, <laughs> unless it rains or um, or they don't feel like I, it I guess day. these are out-of-work truckers who don't feel like working because they don't feel like wearing masks. They, they obviously don't have any freight that they're hauling. Uh, otherwise, they'd be fired by whoever, uh, you know, uh, gave. So, so they have nothing better to do than to not earn money and to drive around Washington, D.C. complaining about masks in the middle of the Russo-Ukrainian uh, war. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, it's not that. even that. Like, they don't have an, an answer to what they're complaining about. No. They saw, the, they saw the, the, the Canada thing, and they're like, oh, we can do that. Except there's no, there's no uh, vaccine mandates in America. Like, they, there's no universal vaccine mandate. It's for, like, federal employees and, like, individual uh, corporations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's no mask mandates. Those are all lifted. It's childish. Would you? They're, they're complaining about. No, that's really what it is. Like the masking thing is essentially children throwing a tantrum. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. to this is. You nailed like, it, man. Compl- you nailed it. People complaining about these two things. So one, the masking. Like I, I'm sorry, you're a child and can't figure out how to put on a mask because the people. First off. In China and stuff, where they they wear these things all the time, they don't have any any of these complaints, and their freedoms are stolen from them. Yeah. Um, secondly, like th- when they they're talking about, I guess t- it's been close to whenever the two years to to uh, uh, slow the fifteen days to slow the spread thing uh, was said. Mm. The response that again, as always, is which mitigation effort did we actually like? hit the the required number to do to be effective. Right. The answer is zero. There's not a single mitigation effort that the opposition to it has whined and cried and bitched and moaned and had a tantrum about. Yeah, yeah. Because it's taking away their freedoms. Not yeah, a single yeah. one. And yeah. this comes to why I believe that this version of the Republican Party is the softest version. Like it, when they talk about previous generations that went to war and had to sacrifice. The American people did not have to do that. When we went to war in Iraq and Afghanistan, the American people didn't have to change any part of their lifestyle unless you basically had a family member who was directly involved. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. And now there's two things. We're being asked to to change our lives because of COVID, which obviously we can't do because I'm an individual and I matter more than anyone else. And two, we're asked to 
momentarily change our lives due to um, this this world this war. But even then, it's not because directly the war or the American people should be doing it. It's it's due to corporate greed. That's right. Which is another thing that's driving up inflation. Which would be really cool if we, you know, just did a, an overall windfall tax. Because it's yeah. not like these corporations are, are shy about this stuff. They're like bragging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I a, win, a windfall tax, at least on the oil companies. They're making they're making you know ridiculous profits right now, and uh, and and there's no connection between the price of oil, like a, a barrel of oil, uh, deli- New York delivery prices. If you want to really re- you know get this thing down granular, look at the price of New York delivered in the you know, oil in New York. Look at where it was before Russia Ukraine. Look at where it is right now, and tell me why the price at the pump is is a buck fifty or more higher here in the New York area and and up other parts of the country substantially higher than that. Tell me how that works out. Tell me, tell me how how the how the how the pipeline of refineries basically is not able to deal. What, what? Where did the price go up, and where is that more expensive oil in the pipeline? And how is it ultimately justified to go ahead and charge two bucks more at the pump? It's there's no damned way. And what's happened in prior? I've heard they, they've had hearings on this in the past. I think you've heard them too, David. That that basically you get a lot of double speak and a lot of com- confusing information coming out, and and layers of potential inputs and variables coming from the oil company. But they never deal with the fundamental. The price of a barrel has gone back down again. The price is not dropping. When the price goes up, when you even suggest the price going up, you instantly have a dollar jump at the pump. Come on, man, you know, <laughs> but I don't know. At some, at some point, we're going to have to, we're going to have to deal with this. I, I just hope, I hope that there's some period of residual ethical, moral stuff that, that lingers after this Russo-Ukrainian situation, because we're going to have to start thinking about the other side of that now. And as it begins to drift away, hopefully, dear God, for the sake of the people of Ukraine, it drifts away. What are we going to be doing with the Russians? How are we going to deal with them? Are they suddenly going to be welcomed back in? Well, you stopped attacking children and killing babies. Come on back in. Let's have the pipeline to Germany again. Or is there something higher that infects and affects everything else about us? Read our political sensibilities. Do we somehow imbue our conversations about everything else with this sense of moral purpose that everybody seems to be joined together with to deal with Russia and Ukraine? You're, from what I'm hearing from you, you don't expect it. I'm, I'm always kind of hopeful about these things, but at a minimum, at least we're talking about it. And, and if people want to hear you doing more talking about it, David, where should they be listening and looking? Uh, they can find me on, on uh, Twitter at Faces Ideas, and they can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Faces New Ideas. I usually stream like Monday Wednesday, Friday ish from seven thirty to nine thirty PM. So sometime today you'll be you'll be streaming again. Today being Friday the eighteenth of March. Okay. Yes. And then uh, on the weekends I occasionally do panels. Yeah. Okay. Uh I I undoubtedly as the weeks go on now, we are going to be getting more and more and more back into the whole midterm political uh, bullshit sort of uh mode. And uh, I, I have no doubt that you will have more than enough uh, <laughs> to occupy all of our times and occupy it rather uh, effectively and educationally. And I always look forward to that. And um, I thank you once again for being part of our show here on Friday and for the opportunity to uh, back away from all this with the usual exhortation Uh, that follows such events. Uh, Sit back, think about it, relax, but, but, but be thoughtful. And do it with the greatest of all original American art forms. A little jazz.
You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. It may seem hard to recognize right now, but there will be an end to the Russo-Ukrainian situation. And at some point, the realities of our midterm election will begin to supersede the news reporting about that. We'll be back to the same old stuff. Will we be able to carry some of the ethical and moral strength of this period into the otherwise stupid range of our politics.